Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. The body of Christ and a born-again believer, then the Bible doesn't, doesn't say you're just a person, not just a human, but the Bible says you are a priest. And what do priests do? They have a job to offer up sacrifices. <clears throat> and it's our duty to offer up the sacrifices of praise, the fruit of our lips. It's our job to minister unto the Lord. Amen. And I'm a dancing priest. I'm a shouting priest. I'm a running priest. I'm a Holy Ghost field priest. This is a hand clapping, foot stomping, devil stomping, owl running, pew jumping, oil slinging, scripture quoting church of the living God. <clears throat> if, you're in the, now, if you came out for a church like that, you look at somebody and say, I'm in the right church tonight. Ah, yeah. Hallelujah. Why work it out? Somebody said he knows how to work it out for you. Oh, since you say, won't he do it? <laughs> I thank God for the man of God, this great apostle, great missionary, this bishop. Amen. Bishop Joey Castillo, we thank God for him. Chicago's anointed fireman. Amen. He's been around the world and his tremendous testimony, his lovely wife, Lady Jade, we thank God for them and their ministry and all that God has done through them. <clears throat> and I believe this is the beginning of a great awakening in the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Amen. A place that ignited the fires of revival so many, many years ago across this world. I think it's time now for a harvest to come in. Amen. It's time for church to go back to being Pentecostal, Holy Ghost field. You shouldn't have to go around the city trying to find a place to get hands laid on you. Come on. You shouldn't try to figure out where you're going to get prayer for healing anymore. You ought to, it ought to be commonplace. Amen. You ought to start trying to figure out where you can get somebody to get delivered or get the devil cast out. Amen. Hallelujah. Right here. This has got to be Holy Ghost headquarters in the city of Tulsa. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not going to apologize for being Pentecostal any longer. Not going to tone down that we speak in tongues and we get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're not going to tone down that we're drinkers and not thinkers. Amen. Jesus said, come unto me and drink, not come unto me and think. Amen. I'm on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to stop thinking about it and be about it. Amen. God is waiting for people that are going to stand up and declare the truth. If we don't do it, he won't do it. If we don't proclaim the truth, he can't back it up. The Bible said the Lord confirmed the word with signs following. If we don't say it, he can't confirm it. 
Amen. We've got to say it and preach it and do it and stand for it. You don't believe in nothing, you don't practice. We believe in healing, you don't believe in nothing. You don't lay hands on people, you don't believe in nothing, you don't practice. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. When are they going to operate? Well, you don't believe in it if you don't practice it. Come on. It's sad, but it's true. It's right anyway. Say amen, oh me. Amen. Amen. So we're glad to be here tonight. And <clears throat> not going to be long. I'm going to have you out here before 1 o'clock, I promise. It's revival. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. Amen. I'm excited about the river in Tulsa. I'm excited about this church and its outreach and the tremendous plans that God has given this man of God to reach this city. And, you know, he's not trying to be the only pastor. He wants to encourage there to be a body of leadership in this city all across this country, outpouring in every church. We want the Baptists to get filled the Holy Ghost. We want the Catholics to get filled. This is too good to keep in the Pentecostal. Amen. Ain't no one-man show. We want a body of believers. Amen. We want them in the aisleways. At, at, do they still have warehouse market here when I was going to school? Is that still here? We want them in the aisleways of warehouse market laying hands on people. Yes, Amen. Man down in the produce section. <laughs> Hallelujah. Catch them right there. That's right. We want to see God moving everywhere. <clears throat> Hallelujah. That's when it starts getting contagious and infectious. But there's a move of the spirit that the church is moving away from, and it should not. Amen. We're trying to get to a point where we apologize and we're trying to explain ourselves to everybody when this is not meant to be explained. It's meant to be witnessed and experienced. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, one thing about this verse, when you read it, <clears throat> I'm not a Greek scholar, but I picked up a Greek lexicon and read through it. The word gifts is not there in the original translation it is concerning the spiritual. Brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. The word spiritual is also, that word spiritual is translated in other places as supernatural. See, says, now concerning the supernatural, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. God wants you to know and understand the supernatural nature of Christianity. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a doctrine. Christianity is a man named Jesus. That's who Christianity is. And having a relationship with him, a living relationship with him, is what Christianity is. Not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's having a relationship with Jesus. Christianity is defined by the author of Christianity. And he said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the supernatural nature of the Christian experience. Most of the problem we have in America is we have a bunch of unfilled believers practicing a religion. We have a bunch of unbelieving believers. They believe, but they don't believe. They struggle when it comes to the supernatural. And the devil, the enemy, has worked over time to get America in the place that it is. Where our churches are filled with people and the seats are filled with people with empty heads. They don't know the truth. They don't know how to walk in authority. They're just coming together and doing life together. And, and, and anything but, we talked about Sunday, they'll call it anything but a church now. It's the attic. It's the garage. It's the basement. It ain't the church no more. Because people are so turned off at the church, we got to rename it and rebrand it. Everybody's about branding ministry and trying to come. And, and none of this is in the New Testament anywhere. You don't find that nowhere in the New Testament. Amen. I want you to turn. I'm going to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I'm also come to Philippians 1.19. This is very important. Philippians 1.19, Paul is saying to the Philippian church, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer, and this next one, and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He told the Philippians that you have a supply of the Spirit. A supply. You got a supply. 
He said, I know that this situation I'm going through is going to turn because, first of all, you're praying. And you have a reservoir. You have a reservoir of the spirit that's available to you that is going to ignite your prayer. The Bible says, James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes what? The Amplified Version says a man in right standing with God. A person in right standing makes tremendous supernatural energy available, which is dynamic in its working. Many people are trying to pray without the spirit. And it is the spirit that unctionizes our prayer life. It is the spirit of God that brings power to it. The highest form of worship is when you're so full of the Holy Ghost that the Holy Ghost begins to worship through you. He begins to take over you and begins to use you. The highest form of prayer is when the Holy Spirit, you yield and he begins to pray and live his prayer life through you. Paul said, he said, when I don't know what to pray for as I ought to, the Holy Spirit gives me an unction. He gives me a language and I'm able to pray beyond my limitation because the Holy Ghost now becomes my prayer partner. He said, likewise, in Romans 8, chapter verse chapter 8, number 26, likewise, the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmity, for we know not what to pray for as we ought to, but the Holy Spirit searches the hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit, and he maketh intercession according to the will of God. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That word likewise, it means in the same way, the same way all of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of, they're waiting for the church, really, waiting for all of the creation is waiting for the church to stand up and begin to reveal who Christ is the new creation in the earth and the way the earth is groaning and waiting so also is the Holy Spirit likewise in the same way the Holy Spirit is involved in helping that word helping is a Greek word which means to take a hold of together with you against that's a whole lot of word for just one word helping it means to take a hold of together with against what against with you he takes a hold together with you against what whatever's in your way and the word infirmity means your inability to effectively cause change how many of y'all ever felt like you were ineffective and had an inability you ran into a place where you didn't know how to overcome it well the holy spirit comes in and takes a hold together with you against what the weight and the measure of your ineffectiveness and your inability and he begins to pray he weaves a language he creates a language that is tailor-made for you to pray out the mystery of why you're not overcoming and why you don't have the ability to overcome Prayer is not prayer. The highest form of prayer is when the Holy Spirit comes in and he tells you what to say. He prays through you the will of God. The highest form of worship is when we are so full of the Holy Ghost that he takes over and you're no longer. You yield control to him. And now he begins to worship himself through you. I can't get no help in here. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. There was a time when there was nobody else but him and the Father, the Son, Holy Ghost. And they were so close, they had no reason to define themselves to anybody because there was nobody around to explain it to. They were in him. The angels didn't know who Jesus was. He was in the bosom of the Father. Not till the Father revealed who he was and sent out his word to heal. They didn't know who he was. They just looked. They just, all they know is they couldn't look upon him. I can't get no witnesses in here. All they know is that he shines so bright in the sun. It's a spirit spiritual beings in the spirit realm in other words there's a spiritual light that was so bright that even spirits couldn't see it they couldn't bear to look upon it uncreated light light that has no other source other than itself 
and, and as they look the, in, the, in the original Greek, it gives the idea that the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were face to face with each other. And as they breathed on each other, I can't get as they commune with each other, they begin to cause the engine of creation to take place. And he sent out his word. In other words, where his light shined, he pulled the light in and the vacancy that was left where the light was, the word went out and began to speak and begin to design and the Holy Spirit hovered over it and caused the power of creation and he created all the realms, the angelic and the natural realm. God created a tremendous tapestry which he can reveal himself through. Because you know you're beyond spiritual beings when spiritual beings can't see you. You know, nobody has seen God and lived, only the first begotten. Not even angels really know what he looks like. That's why he said, don't make no image like me because that's an insult. And all we have is this veil of creation, this imagery. It's almost like you can see a person standing behind a curtain. Have you ever seen somebody walk out into a curtain and the curtain falls upon their image? And you see an image, but you can't see who it is. It's as if the father stepped, he created a tapestry and stepped into it and left his image. But you really can't see who he really is. He's beyond your understanding. This God that we serve has created man to be a person of spirit and of the flesh, both natural. God being a spirit, what did he create man for? He created man to be the platform that he could come and dwell in, that he might live his life through this realm of the natural that he created. He created Adam for the point that he wanted to invade. He created a whole natural realm that he wanted to come live inside. And he intended to do what is man that you are mindful of him. You made him a little bit lower than the angels. You made him a little bit lower than Elohim, which is the sons of God, which the Old Testament calls gods. The gods that they worship, these fallen beings, which they weren't at one time, they weren't fallen, but they fell in rebellion and they wanted to lead man into their rebellion. And what is man? Man is the being that both natural and spiritual and God always intended to indwell him. Man was created for the purpose of fellowship. Yes, sir. That's right. He was created to indwell in him. And something got in the way. Man's idea. He wanted to do it. He got a case of spiritual AIDS. Acquired immune deficiency, right? What it means, it really means an attitude independent of a divine savior. <laughs> and he wanted to be apart from God and he got cut off and he died spiritually. And all the purpose of the new birth is that Jesus, who is the lit, nobody else could jumpstart humanity. It had to be the author. Jesus had to come and with his fabulous DNA, he had to inject mankind with his DNA to cause it to be a new creation. When you get born again, you can say, you don't just shake a preacher's hand and, and join a religious club. That's not what being born again is. Being born again is to have a supernatural transformation of the inside of you. Actually, he comes in and the Holy Spirit, you get birthed by the Holy Spirit. He injects the DNA of Jesus, the sperm of Jesus. in. That's why it calls the godly sperm. You have been born of an again corruptible sperm he puts that incorruptible sperm inside you and guess what it goes in like a virus it takes over every cell and regenerates every cell and now you are a new creation in Christ Jesus old things have passed away this is the new creation gospel and as many as received him he gave them power to become sons if you don't like what you are you can become a son Christianity is about transformation it's not about 
being an old sinner. So I, I get tired of hearing people say that because I know you don't find that in the New Testament nowhere. I'm sorry, Reformed Calvinists. I'm sorry, John Piper. I'm sorry, all you other folks that hate Pentecostalism. There's nowhere in the Bible where he says you are an old sinner saved by grace. I was an old sinner, but I got born. We, what? What sense would it make for him to make me a born-again, newly created old sinner saved by grace? No, he changed my nature and caused me to have the nature of the Son of God, the nature of Christ. It ain't my nature to walk in sin anymore. Oh, somebody said, well, you know what? You trying to say you ain't got no sin? I'm not stupid enough to say something like that. But what I tell you is this. Only Christians can fall into sin. In order to fall into something, you got to first be lifted out of it. Sinners don't fall in sin. They live, eat, sleep, breathe. They are in sin. But only a Christian can fall because he's the only one that's been lifted. But that's not his permanent state. That's not his state. He's, he's called to be in a heavenly place, in a lifted place. And if any man fought, we have an advocate with the Father. The same one that offered us and birthed us into this salvation is the same one that restores us. He said, I wouldn't have it. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. Yes, right. He said, this new creation, Jesus comes born of a woman, born of a virgin. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Especially around Christmas time. He's born of a virgin. So, I used to think he was a kid. I just thought it was just like a part of a story. He's born of a virgin just because it was miraculous. I didn't really know that he had to be born of a virgin. I didn't realize that if he was born of another man, that he'd have the same DNA that Adam had, and he wouldn't be able to pull me out of anything. So he had to have the they very DNA of God injected into a woman so that she had to be a virgin because this child was the And being born of a virgin, he was born without any sin. He was born without any original curse. The first human being born, he came out the womb with no handcuffs on. Everybody else came out the womb bound, gagged, and dying. But Jesus is the only one that was born with no curse. So therefore, when he got his legs and started moving, he started unloosening everybody else's handcuffs. Because he was the only one that was free. And they tried to kill him. He said, no man takes my life. He said, why? Because death, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, if he ain't got no sin, then there's no payment. So death doesn't have a legal right to kill somebody that ain't born with sin. He said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Oh, you know, Jesus was bad when he was walking the earth, healing the sick and casting out devils. Do you understand in the spiritual realm where these spiritual beings were looking through the matrix? When Jesus would walk into the room, they would see all these other dim lights. But when he would walk in, they would see a bright light and say, what you doing here? How did you get here before your time? They could not hide the luminous nature that was shining from the Son of God. He said, shut your mouth and come out of them. Walking on water, overcoming all the laws that why? Because he was from another planet. He didn't belong to this planet. All the rules of this planet didn't apply to him. And because he had his father's blood, the DNA of heaven, he could supersede every law and overcome it. But then he says something strange. He gets up on resurrection morning and says, Now all power. You mean tell me you didn't have all power before? Stopping funerals, raising dead people, walking on water, sending devils into hogs. What was you operating in if you didn't have all power? Jesus was operating as a man. 
without sin in the nature in the image of Adam come on somebody with the rightful authority and dominion and the only person with the right to operate in it filled with the Holy Ghost and the spirit without measure but when he got up on resurrection he said now all power in heaven he had all power in heaven because that's where he came from but he didn't have all power in earth because the devil had the power of sin he had the power of controlling mankind but not until they killed the only innocent man that was ever born they had no right to kill him and when they killed him they subverted their right to rule over man they, they were for a loss their legal right to hold over mankind and when he died they that's why he said no man take my life but I lay it down he gave it willingly he said I'm going to go in they read him his Miranda rights but he opened not his mouth he went to the cross and they thought they were defeating him but all they were doing was breaking the containment suit to let the living water to let out the power that was contained in him to be unleashed upon the world he's better than Obi-Wan Kenobi he said strike me down and I'll come back more stronger than ever before for three days and three nights the devil had lost any hold he had on mankind because he performed you see before then it wasn't illegal to kill and to steal because everyone that was born in Adam came out guilty and dying you died nobody had to make you die you were going to die anyway whether it was a day or 50 years, you were sentenced unto death, but not Jesus. You know, if Jesus hadn't have died, if Jesus hadn't have took up on the sins of the world, he would have never got old. He would have never grayed. Come on, because sin had no dominion over him. He had, didn't have the curse of Adam. He, had, he didn't have an immortal body. He had an eternal body, a body that just wouldn't get old. It would keep on existing because sin is the reason why death comes. And not until he legally took it upon himself and stood in the highest court of man, the Roman court that conquered most of the world. That's why he came in the fullness of time when most of the world was conquered by an empire so he could stand in the court of men and be judged by mankind. And the devil had him killed. And Satan lost his legal right over mankind by killing the first and only innocent man ever born. And not only did he kill the most innocent man, but if the rulers of this world had a knew who he was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They thought he was just a Messiah. You see, being a Messiah is just a cover story. Sorry, all you Jewish Talif wears and blowing shofar. The Messiah was just a cover story. That's the story he released to the press. But the real story was is that he came to bless all nations. The real story is that he was the word made flesh. He was the Messiah to Israel, but that was just a cover story. The devil thought they was going to kill the Messiah and delay the coming of the kingdom and push back their time upon their, why are you coming before the time? That's what they kept asking Jesus. And Jesus was too smart. He didn't get, see, he ain't like you and me. We give away our position. We tell all our business and the devil know exactly what we're doing. The devil was talking to him on that mountain. He said, you say, it is written. He just kept saying, it's written. He was slick. He wouldn't give away his position. And they killed him. And when they killed him, for three days and three nights, he went into hell. His spirit descended and preached to the, Peter says, to the spirits in prison. He preached it and they heard the gospel and they believed on him. And on the third day, he got up and the graves popped open. All the saints who had been waiting on him got up with him. 
can't get no help in here. He said, now all power in heaven and earth. Not some power, all power. I had power in heaven. I'm the living word. But I had to come down here to earth and get back the power that I gave to Adam. The dominion I gave to Adam, I had to get it back. And now that I have power in heaven and in earth, guess what? I'm giving the power to you. I'm giving the authority to you. Guess what? If Jesus has all power, somebody ain't got no power. If Jesus has all power, the devil don't have no power. I can't get no help in here. If Jesus has all authority, then the devil don't have no authority. Woo! Now there's a difference between power and authority, dunamis and exousia. He wasn't talking about dunamis because the devil does have dunamis. Oh, the devil got supernatural power. But he don't have authority anymore. And he said, I'm giving that authority over to the church. He said, but I'm giving you the authority, but you're going to need some power too. So I'm going to send another comforter. The one that is with you, he's going to be in you. And he's going to be your personal bodybuilder and life coach. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you to walk in the force. He's going to raise you up to be a Jedi. I can't get on. He's going to show you how to walk in the power of the world to come. He's going to seize you. And whatever he hears in the council rooms of heaven, he's going to come and tell you. He will not leave you comfortless. So this new creation, the whole point is that you might be filled with him. But in order for him to come and dwell in you, he had to change the inside of you and make it a conducive home for him to live in. So he had to bring the new birth to regenerate you so he could come inside and dwell in you. Jesus said, he that is with you shall be in you. Behold, I won't leave you orphaned and alone. And how the church has neglected the relationship with the bodybuilder, with the personal. We're looking for life coaches and mentors. And the greatest one is on the inside of us to lead us and guide us. In the, but we don't believe he will. So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says, 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. But let all things be done to edify. He's talking about the ministry of the spirit and the believer. He says, all of you have a revelation, a tongue. You all got manifestations and you can all operate in all of them. Really? Where do we see that in churches today? We don't see that. We don't see people having somebody coming with a revelation, somebody coming with a doctrine. Most of the time, have people are scared to death if you call on them for anything. But Isaiah 28, 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherein the weary shall rest. This is the refreshing that they would not hear. This baptism of the Holy Ghost, this spirit of God coming in us, enabling us, equipping us is what the point of the church is. He says in Ephesians 5, 18, be not drunk with wine, wearing his excessive behavior, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, melody in your spirit. He says, speaking to yourself. Then he says in Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace. It's almost like it's the same thing. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. A psalm is a spiritual ode, a prophetic movement, a poetic prophetic movement. A hymn is when you testify about the greatness of God. A spiritual song can be a teaching or an admonishment or even a warning that comes by the Spirit. He said these things, he says in Ephesians, he said, get full of the Holy Ghost and then speak to yourself. But in Colossians, he says, get filled with the word and speak to one another. See, you can't speak to one another until you first start learning how to speak to yourself. 
speaking to yourself is in your prayer laboratory while you by yourself. See, there's nobody to judge your prophecy. If you goof up, it's just you. You can practice alone speaking to yourself. After, see, only after you get full of the Holy Ghost. But once you learn how to practice at home, see, what you do in secret, he said, he'll let you do it, you'll do it openly. He'll reward you openly. See, the reason why you're afraid, because you ain't practicing by yourself. It's in prayer time. It's as you enter session. I hear a lot of people talking about intercession. Most people don't know about no intercession. Intercession, entering into a session. A session with who? With the Godhead. To talk about what? Whatever he wants to talk about to bring apart his will upon the earth. There ain't no group of intercessors. Everybody got the Holy Ghost is an intercessor. Everybody. Listen. Speaking to yourself. Then look at somebody and say, first you got to speak to yourself. But you got to get full of the Holy Ghost to do that. Then you got to learn to speak to others. But you got to let the word dwell in you richly. So being filled with the Holy Ghost and letting the word dwell in you richly is the key to stepping into the supernatural that Paul is talking about. Being filled with the word and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Look what he says here in 1 John 2.20. But you have an unction of the Holy One and you know all things. Now you know you don't know all things. As dumb as we are, we don't know everything. He ain't talking about you. What he's saying is you know all things that's pertaining for you to know. What's necessary, what's needful for you to know, you're going to know it, is what he's saying. You're going to know what you need to know, is what he's saying. He says, you have an unction. Unction, the, the Latinos say, when they, when they say anointing, they don't say anointing, they say the unction. Because it's the unction of the Spirit of God. The unction to function. Then he says in 1 John 2, 27, go down further. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, that you need not any man to teach you. But the same anointing teaches you all things and it is truth and it's no lie. Even as it's taught you, you shall abide in him. He said, he's not saying we don't need a teaching ministry. He's not saying we don't need pastors. What he's saying is, is you have an anointing in you that it won't allow you to be led astray. It will teach you the truth. It won't allow a false teacher to lead you astray. It won't allow a false. Why? Because he'll begin to bear witness with your spirit that something ain't right about that message. Very powerful. I want you to understand this. Acts 4 and 24, when they heard, they lifted their voice to God in one accord and said, the Lord, thou art God who made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all them that is. Now, he says, wait a minute. John says, you got an anointing. He talked to the individual. You have an anointing. Guess what that anointing is called? Your supply of the spirit. You have an anointing. That is your supply. When the true church comes together of Holy Ghost filled believers, they all come in here with an anointing. They all, you all come in with a supply. The point is, is will you yield that supply to the body? And if you only got three people yielding the supply, but the rest ain't yielding the supply, it's going to be out of order. Only when we come into one accord. When they all came into one accord, the Bible says they begin to pray. Look what he says. He says in verse number 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. and They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This is a second spirit baptism. This is after Acts. So we have one, we have many, we have one baptism in the Holy Ghost, but many refillings. The Bible says, and be filled, which is be being. That's right. It's a continuous. You've got to maintain it. You've got to stay full because you had the Holy Ghost 7,000 years ago. I mean, you, you're full of it now. You might be full of something else if you don't. Because you are a container. Look what he says. And the multitude of them believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things that what he possessed was on, but they had all things in common. When it says the word there for one accord is the Greek word. And I looked it up. It's called homothumadon. 
The word homothumadon is a compound word of two words. It means to rush along, join with the word that means in unison. Let that sink in. To rush along in unison. Two words. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a master conductor. As the Holy Spirit blends the lives of the members together in one accord. It's like a song and a symphony in the spirit. As we rush along in unity, it's, um, it gives the idea as if we come in here and link up arms together and we all begin to dance around at one time, all together to the tune. This is one of the reasons why we can't have a service where the buildings shake because we can't get humo thumadon. Are you listening? In one accord. Homo, you remember that word? Homo thumadon. It depicts an eye. It's only used 12 times in the New Testament. And one of the times is right here where he says in one accord, in one home. That means they were locking. It gives the idea they were arm and arm in lockstep, dancing together in unity as they moved in the spirit. And God was conducting the music, speaking together in song. See, everything, have you noticed something? You know something about this? When it talks about moving the spirit, it always mentioned in music, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Why? Because the spirit of God is a singer. The Bible says that Jesus ministers in the tabernacle and sings in the tabernacle in heaven. The Holy Spirit gives you a song. I tell you, the song of the Lord comes forth when you're full of the Holy Ghost and full of the word of God. After you've meditated the promises of Jesus and after you dwelt on the Lord and get full of the Holy Ghost, you can't help but singing. You know why? Because Joy is the sign of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. When joy busts out your spirit, you know what? You want to see some folks singing? Get some drunk folks together. They'll start singing and can't sing. They got, listen, looking crazy off too, but they'll start singing and rocking and dancing. And that same guy, you, if you saw him in normal circumstances, he's like a piece of wood, like a block of ice. But get some liquor in him. Get some libation in him. Get him high and he'll see another person. That's why they call liquor spirits. He gets intoxicated. He gets inebriated. He gets beside himself. When you get drunk enough, you start thinking you can do stuff that you really can't do. Like drive. You start thinking you can beat people that you ain't got no chance at whooping in your right mind. You think you can pick up women that would never give you the time of day. You actually start thinking you better looking than you really are. You actually think that they better looking than they really are. Everything changes when you get intoxicated. And then he says, don't be drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get a good dose of the Holy Spirit and get drunk enough, giants don't even look big no more. You go in and pick fights with devils in your job, in your workplace. Come on. When you, hey, things start looking different. Things that look like defeat start looking like winning. And when all else fails, you fall out on the street and go to singing songs. I can't get no help in here. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you listening? 1 Corinthians 12, 14. I told you I was coming back there, right? He says, now there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. Everybody say diversities. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, which worketh all in all. This last part is important. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every one of you to show profit. The gifts of the spirit aren't just for the prophet and for the apostle. He said to give to every man. You know what? If you wanted the gifts of the Spirit to operate in your life, you ought to start right there with meditating where it says every man is me. Yes. 
He said, it's given to every man. What? Not so you can be a big shot and start a ministry and a prayer group and start having service in a hotel down the street and launch your ministry. Not necessarily, maybe, but really so that you can show profit. How do you profit? You start profiting by building the kingdom of God. Wouldn't, wouldn't witnessing be easy if you had a word of knowledge about somebody? Wouldn't getting people saved be easy if you had a word of knowledge about somebody? But see, most of us want these gifts so we can go to church and do them. And that's why you, God don't ever manifest nothing for you. But if you was out in the supermarket and said, Lord, who in here needs to be saved? I want to win somebody at my job. God, I'm praying. Lord, see, you're trying to pray yourself. You over there trying to kill you over there. I know you're word of faith. You're trying to believe God out of this job. You hate this job. You believe in God for a breakthrough. I'm believing God for a breakthrough job. But as a child of God, what you should have did is walk to the job and say, Lord, I'm here by assignment. I know I can't leave until my assignment is over. So show me my assignment so I can hurry up and get out of this job. Who in here am I supposed to reach and who am I supposed to get saved? Well, this is my job. See, that's where you fail. That's just a job. That's not your source. That's just a cover story. That's like being a Messiah was Jesus' cover story. Whatever you do. I'm a doctor. I say, Pastor Reed, Pastor Reed, tell me. Um, I would turn to pray with me because I'm trying to find out what I'm called to do. I'm just with the Lord, but tell me what I'm called to do. I'm just trying to find out. Would you pray for me? I said, I already know what you're called to do. You do? I said, yeah, I've been knowing what you was called to do. Did the Lord show you? I said, no. Your job is to cast out devils and lay hands on the sick to preach the gospel to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. Your job is to come to church and serve God's people and serve the world. That's your, what, 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 what should I be, a doctor or a lawyer? I said, it don't matter whether you're a doctor or a lawyer. As long as you cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, your doctor's office ain't nothing but a cover for you to hide, to get folks in there, to get them saved. When you start looking at your job as the business of the kingdom of God, God will elevate you. And when your job is over, he'll release you to another place. But you over there trying to confess yourself into a new job and it ain't working. Because that stuff only works when you're in line with the will of God. <laughs> Is this good? I'm almost done. Can you believe it? I can't believe it myself. I'm almost done. But the manifestation of the spirit. This is where we want to lock in before we clear it all together. But the manifestation. Do you know that? I, I, I hate to do this, but I had a bad habit of going to the Greek. Got a bad habit. I know you don't speak Greek. And it's not right to talk in languages that you don't understand. I know. And I look it up because I'm not no doctor of scholar. I just look this stuff up. The word manifestation is the word phanerosis. When you look up the word phanerosis and begin to break it down its composites, it's really an extension and a modification of the word phos, P-H-O-S. The word phos is the word for light in Hebrew, in Greek. He says, so the phanerosis is given to every man to profit with a, wait a minute, what does it mean? The word phanerosis in its clearest definition, it means the flashing. The flashing of the spirit is given to every man. The what? I started thinking, Lord, what is the flashing? What are you talking about? Flashing what? The light, the revealing, it means a flash is given to every man. A flash is given to you. What am I going to do with that? You ever heard of a flasher? What's a fl what? I started meditating. What are, you, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, St. John 5, 19. They said, show us how to do the works of God. Tell us how we can work many miracles. We want to do what you're doing. Since you're the great rabbi, we'll only believe you're really him if you can show us. Because see, when you're a rabbi, the true test of your rabbinical ability is whether you can reproduce yourself and your students. That's why when he picked 12 disciples, it was letting everybody know that these guys, whatever I'm doing, they're going to be able to do the same thing. 
That's why they was excited about being his disciples. That's already in the rabbinical thing. If your rabbi can't reproduce himself, he's not a real rabbi. If you're a real rabbi, show us how you do the mighty works of God. He said, you want to know how I do it? He said, here it is, believe on him whom he has sent. How is that going to help me do a miracle? Because there's only one miracle worker. His name is Jesus. And when you believe on him whom he has sent. In other words, all miracles and signs and wonders fall in line with proving that Jesus is who he said he is. That's number one. Then he said in St. John 5, 19, he said, whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. And many things he's showing me, he's going to show me much more. Well, I said, wait a minute, Jesus. How are you looking at the father? You're a man on the earth. He said, I, whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. When is he seeing the father do stuff? While he's walking around being Jesus, being wonderful. As he's walking, the spirit of seeing and knowing. That's how the gifts operate. And how they operate is the father would flash him a picture. And he would see whatever the father was showing, he would see it. Hallelujah. So the flashing of the spirit is given to every man. To profit with all. But you know, we're a bunch of scaredy cats. We're afraid. What if it don't happen? What if it's not God? What if I fail? What if it's not really real? So God is a genius. He says, all right, flesh creature. I know I'd help you out. Here's what I'm going to do. Being a great trainer that I am, I'm going to give you some low-impact training exercises. That if you make a mistake in these trainings, it don't really make a big deal. In the Pentecostal church. Where we come together and sometime occasionally we achieve homothumadon, where we unify and the presence of God gets high. You ever know the quickest way to get homothumadon is for us to start saying the same thing at the same time. And that's called worship. See, worship, God ain't got no hit list up in heaven that his favorite song comes up. He said, if they play my jam, I'm going to get on up in that service. Yeah, they got, the, they got the right song, and the song came forth, and the Lord moved. That's the song the Lord. No, that ain't, that's, that's not how God, that's, that's not how God operates. God ain't got no jukeboxes. Listen, when they hit, they're going to hit my jam in about 10, uh, 10 after, and I'm going to slide up in there with glory. Watch it. Here come my song. Get through that song. Get, that ain't the song I want. Come on. And now there goes my song. That's not God. You know, the song that God chooses to move in is the one that gets our hearts to all say the same thing. Because, see, when you come in, you're in one mind in the street, coming in here, trying to get out of the world, trying to get your mind in worship. And when you get here, somebody else has already been worshiping for 10 minutes, struggling, trying to get into the ministry. And, see, the worship leader can't take you where he ain't ever been. Come on. So he has to lead you into worship and help you. And as we begin to worship, as sooner or later as we all begin to say the same thing at the same time, and all of a sudden, it's not just us mouthing the words. We Something hit us, and we start thinking into the goodness of Jesus and all God has done for us and somewhere people begin the minds begin to flip and get converted one by one to all of a sudden in the service we start feeling something moving through the room it's an energy in here it's a presence in here it's the unified corporate anointing Ooh, and now the corporate anointing is here and the presence of God is here and then somebody has nerve to start laughing Somebody has nerve to jump up and go to shaking like they're crazy. Somebody has nerve, actually, I've been in it, to jump in the highway and run down the highway. Someone has nerve to fall out in the floor, unconscious almost. Why? That's not in scripture really, is it? Why? The Bible says that when Paul was in the temple praying, it says he fell into a trance. 
And he saw Jesus and Jesus told him a message. The Bible says when Daniel was by the banks of the river, he fell into a trance. The Bible says Balaam the prophet, when the word of the Lord came to him, he fell into a trance. The Bible says when Peter was on the housetop, he fell into a trance. The word trance in the Greek is the word ecstasis. It's the same where we get the word ecstasy from. It means to fall. The word literally means is to fall out of your present consciousness and to be aware of spiritual things more than you are of natural things. That's what falling under the power is. We don't tell people come up here and fall out. What happens is the spirit of God induces you to a trance-like state. And that's how he's able to heal you better. He's able to work on you because you're in ecstasy. You're shutting down the outside and being more in tune with the inside. And this presence comes upon you and it happens. Wait, wait, Wait a minute, wait a minute. John was on the Isle of Patmos and when he heard a voice, he turned and saw Jesus and fell into ecstasis the trance-like move of the spirit is what you learn to get out of your mind and get in the move of the spirit here's the thing all these things begin to happen but why i grew up in pentecostal church we didn't have a lot of revelation but we had a few moves there's more than one move of the spirit we had a couple we had dancing we had running we had shouting we had nothing else if somebody would try to fall out, we was going to hold them up with, with, with sticks and wood. You ain't falling out. We don't believe in that here. Get up off that floor. God lays us up. He don't lay down. We had all kind of doctrine. Don't go, oh, don't let them fall. Get them back up. Like this. Just hold them up. We don't believe in all that over here. That's what I was raised in. Jesus only, Pentecostal. Apostolic. It is the water way. We believe in baptizing them, Jack. You wouldn't baptize right. You ain't saved. We had to do like an ID check. You been down in the name? You ain't been down in the name. You ain't got what you got ain't real. You don't know about that. Some of y'all do know about that. It's bondage. <laughs> it's, it's false doctrine, but amen. And God will bless you. You can have, you know, you can have some things right and some things wrong. God will still bless you and work through it. But I would sit in those services as a young boy filled with the Holy Ghost. And one thing we knew how to do is sing them songs. Not like we got these songs now. You know, these hill songs that have 29 stanzas and 45 choruses where you're just singing a song forever, talking about how much you love God and you're in love with him and oceans and mountains of love. It's just all over the place. And see, we didn't have, we had songs that like, what's his name, Jesus? What's his name? And you sing that for about 15 minutes. It's almost like it's going to put you in a trance. <laughs> you ain't singing all this complicated stuff. This is, what's his name? What's his name? And next thing you know, they start going in. But everybody's in unity singing it. And everybody has one goal. We want to drink of the Holy Ghost. We want to feel the power. Ooh, I need to feel the power. I've been through all week long. I need a touch. I need a, We call it a fresh anointing. Go down and get you a fresh anointing. We had that part right. And I remember as a child, full of the Holy Ghost at the age of 10, I didn't have a whole bunch of stuff in my head clouding me, so I could see this a little bit more clearly. I remember when the power, when the spirit would begin to move and everybody would be sitting on a row and the spirit would just go through the row and everybody would begin to shake and dance at the same time. And I'd say, what's this going? I'm like, what is this? And I remember after I got the Holy Ghost in the Tarian room. Oh, the Tarian room was the torture room. You had to go in that Tarian room and go to praying and they could go on down there and get in that Tarian room. And I'd get in there and you had to say it right. They said, it's stammering lips. It's proud. Say hallelujah. And then the Bible says, it's stammering lips. So when you start saying, the next step is tongues. They had a science, even though it was wrong. And I would be in there, hallelujah, hallelujah. She said, you ain't saying it fast. Say it faster. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's right. Say it faster. For hours. This will go on. 
I mean, it was, see, now you knocked that, but there was something about it that broke you down. After months and months of doing that, you're ready to just throw it all to Jesus and laugh. You're ready, Lord, whatever. I'm, you didn't quit smoking. You didn't quit lying. You didn't quit doing everything. But it's just, it, it, it breaks you down. Especially if somebody next to you has been seeking shorter than you and they get filled with the Holy Ghost and you've been there for two months. Like, what's up, Jesus? I didn't cut out R-rated movies. I'm going to bed on time. I'm not wasting any food. I'm eating all of it for the children that don't have anything. You, mean you, you go over your life with a microscope checking everything because you can't figure out why. You just, leave, you just forget there's just one thing. You don't have any faith. <laughs> That's why you're not getting filled. And you'd be tearing for the Holy Ghost. And you know, somewhere in between all that, you get the Holy Ghost. I remember November the 10th, 1982. My God. I went in that room and I said, Lord, I'm tired of this. I went in there and I said, sister, I asked one of the mothers, I said, would you help me pray for the Holy Ghost? We was in revival. And I mean, it, was, it, was, it shouldn't have been called revival. It should have been called survival because it was dead as a doorknob. He was up there talking. I think I was just, it was like watching paint dry. It was so boring. I said, well, I said, mother, would you help? She said, well, we're going to be in revival tonight, baby. We're not going to go for the Holy Ghost. We, we come back tomorrow night, maybe. And I went back in the prayer room anyway, and I got on my knees. I said, Lord, I'm 10 years old. I was saying, I'm tired of praying. I'm tired. Whatever I need to do, I believe tonight I want to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm tired of that. I want you to give me to baptize me in the Holy Ghost. And as soon as I came out the prayer room, mother met me. She said, come on, let's go in there and pray. Because she got tired of the service too, thank God. And she came in there and we started. It wasn't five minutes before I was saying hallelujah till I was talking in tongues. And she went and got my mother and father. And they brought him in and the whole family was, oh, he get the whole. And I'm sitting here thinking, is this it? I got it? So you better not come up and say, do I got it? Because that's the wrong thing to tell the mothers in the church. Did, is that it? Did I get it? They said, is it? Did I get it? Did you? Well, I don't know. Get on back down there. Holler, holler, holler. You, you get up until you don't get up until you know you got the Holy Ghost. But you know what? We had a whole church full of the Holy Ghost, though. We didn't have a church with half filled people and people didn't have the Holy Ghost. And folks that they spoke in tongues in 75,000 years, we had folks who were full of the Holy Ghost because they had to fight for it. They had to labor for it. I'm not pushing tarrying, but I'm pushing people going back to going back to what's valuable. My mother was been saying, she's 94 years old. She said, we, she said, y'all young folks get the Holy Ghost too easy. She said, we took us time. She said, we cherish it more than you do. It took me six months to get the Holy Ghost. It took me a year to get it. Now, he would have filled me the first time if I believed. But it was my hang-ups. And I noticed the immediate difference from when I wasn't filled to when I was filled. At 10 years old, I went to the next revival they had. I said, I'm going to see what's going to happen because I've been seeing everybody cut up. I'm going to see. I said, but I ain't going to fake it. If it ain't real, I ain't doing it. So I, I ain't going to be jumping around looking stupid if it ain't me, if it ain't the Holy Ghost. And I'm sitting there out there. I'm like, I'm, I'm there. I just better be real. And I'll never forget. They had a prayer line. I was coming down the hallway and all of a sudden, I'd been down this prayer line many times to get prayed over and nothing would ever, I wouldn't feel nothing. I'd see other folks dancing and shouting and I'm walking, but by the time I got there, my belly started turning over, started jumping. I said, oh, what's going on with me? I said, oh, Jesus. And I felt like goosebumps all over my back everywhere. It's like I was having chills. I said, oh, Jesus. And by the time I got to where the power was at, it was so electric, it hit me like a bolt of lightning and I leaped up in the air and I was dancing and speaking to and I hit the floor and I watched my legs jump and shake under the anointing I said this is real at 10 years old I said this is real power I'm not moving my legs this is doing this I got up and said I ain't never going back this is real oh I got me a bible then I knew I was saved I was on the front row now in church I got the holy ghost I knew it you couldn't tell me I didn't have it but I noticed in the service when the spirit began to move 
I'd be sitting there and guess what? Right before the spirit would hit me, I would see myself getting hit by the spirit. Two seconds I would see it. I would see the flash of me getting touched. And, I would, and my stomach would say, it's getting ready to happen to you. And the power would fall, it would hit me. And I'd go running. I ran backwards around the whole church with my eyes closed. <laughs> Up the walls all the way around. Didn't bump into nobody. That's how we judge whether it was a Holy Ghost or not. Because <laughs> we saw folks jump up and be like, plow! Well, that wasn't the spirit right there. Let's move. He wasn't in the Holy Ghost. That was the flesh. Bless his heart. Because if that's the Holy Ghost, I've known the folks to get on top of pews and run backwards on the pews with their eyes closed under the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. Why? What is wrong with the Holy Ghost? You know, most churches act like the Holy Ghost is that, that mentally handicapped cousin they keep up in the upstairs and they only bring him out. You know, you don't want you want to get introduced him. You don't want to introduce him to the family right away. He might scare her off. Hey, come on in and have dinner. This is the family. Boom, boom. What's that noise upstairs? Don't ever mind that noise. <laughs> then you get married, and after they bring him down with a chain, he come out the attic and say, hey, you, you in the family now? We act like the Holy Ghost is somebody so stupid and out of control, we can't trust him in a room full of sinners because they'll never understand him. We do that. We do. Modern church doesn't do it. Like, like he don't know how to have sense. He's the most intelligent person. The problem is he's dealing with stupid people. He's dealing with people who don't have a bunch of sense. So he comes with elementary stuff. He comes with flashings of running. Flash of dancing. You see yourself falling. How many of y'all, raise your hand. How many of y'all ever danced in the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand. How many of y'all saw yourself do it a split second before you did it? Be honest. You saw it. How many of y'all ever fell under the power? I mean, I ain't talking about no courtesy drop. I'm talking about it came on you and you fell under the power. How many? How many of y'all saw it happen to you? One split. You saw it happen and it didn't happen. Raise your hand. Good. How many of y'all ever ran under the power of the Holy Ghost? How many saw the power coming and you saw yourself take off and when it hit you, it happened? Raise your hand. You saw it. Hmm. You didn't fail. You didn't ran. You didn't jump. How many of y'all ever laughed in the Holy Ghost? How many of you were ever headed? You saw a, a split second. You knew what was coming. It happened to you. Wow. You successfully obeyed the Holy Ghost. You. Why running? Why jumping? Why laughing? Why falling under the power? Why? Why does God do this? Because... He's using low-impact exercises to teach you to respond to the corporate anointing. Because if you jump out and run and it ain't him, you just got a good jog. If you fell into the power and it ain't the Holy Ghost, and you just fell into the floor, I hope you got insurance. If you started laughing and it really wasn't the Holy Ghost, then you're just a little goofy, but we'll give you a point for effort. But if it was the Holy Ghost, and the funeral says he flashed it and you saw it. And when the spirit said, like a master conductor conducting the movement, he said, and now, and you came on the stage and stepped into the move of the Holy Spirit. That means you accurately obeyed the prompting of the spirit to do something that God made it joyful for you to do it, to participate. And you probably got intoxicated the more you did it. And joy like a river overflowed when you did it. That happened. Well, why is God doing that? How in the world will he ever get you to pull somebody out of a wheelchair if he can't get you to run? 
he can't get you to yield to the spirit. How's he going to ever show you the flashing of you pulling tubes out somebody's nose? Come on, somebody in a hospital room. If you can't obey the simple movement. So that's why he comes in here with a training session. That's why we come together. We worship until the power gets thick. And when the power gets thick, we start drinking. And we drink till we're full. And then the phenerosis begins to happen. That's why it don't. everybody don't always run. Some folk are running. Some folk are dancing. Some folk are laughing. Some folk are falling into the power. But he's orchestrating all of it. And he's teaching us all to obey the seeing and knowing of the spirit. You, after, you've been into, after you've been into a week of Holy Ghost revival. I ain't talking about dead church wannabe revival. I'm talking about real Holy Ghost where the power is falling. Every night the anointing is in the room. You can't wait to get there. After two weeks of Holy Ghost school of the spirit, you didn't laugh, you didn't fell out, you didn't obey the spirit of God. You don't know that God is setting you up for something. Because see, the same anointing that you learn to recognize among believers is the same anointing that you get trained to recognize outside the church. And so now because you've been so baptized in this move, when you get out the church, when the anointing comes upon you, you recognize the unction. When you're walking down the hospital room to go see Big Mama, come on. When you're going into, the, when you're going somewhere and you get ready to pray, but you don't know what's going to happen. And as you passing by, you see yourself a flash. You see yourself lay hands on somebody. You see yourself give a word to somebody. See, he always shows you first before he sends you to do anything. And as you obey the Holy Ghost, you find the same anointing, the same unction that runs, that jumps, that laughs, that falls out is the same prompting to lay hands on the sick the same anointing to cast out devils the same anointing to move in the gifts but the church is losing this we got service in an hour we gotta go Netflix is on Walking Dead is premiere tonight we gotta get out of here it don't take all of this and we're missing the school of the supernatural we're not learning how to flow in the Holy Ghost and we're bound with fear and can't do nothing. And Well, you know what, brother? We got to have revival. Let me tell you something. I'm so tired of hearing the word revival. I don't know what to do. I love the word, but I'm tired. Everything slapped revival on it. We wait, brother. We're praying for revival to break out like it's something that we have to get. God's got to send. Let me tell you who you are. You are Jesus. You are the body of Christ. When does Jesus need to wait on revival? Jesus is walking revival. All we have to do is come in here with one accord and decide that we're going to have a move of the spirit and we're going to have one. All we have to do is decide that we're going to worship until the anointing comes. And work. come on, I love what Ruth Van Heflin used to say. She said worship until, the, she said praise him till the spirit of worship come and then worship him till the anointing come and walk in the anointing till the glory come. And when the glory come, stand in the glory and let the power of God begin to manifest in your life. But the devil has tricked the church in our service. The devil has tricked the church that we don't. We think the Holy Ghost is too stupid to let him out because he'll make everybody mad. I know prominent preachers. See, I'm usually a name caller. I'll call him out and say who it is because I don't really care. You're big enough to say it publicly. I'm big enough to say you. that's wrong. I've heard him tell preachers, don't do the altar call like that. Just invite them down and take them outside. Because everybody's not going to understand the move of the Holy Ghost. Why? Why? Who cares? 
that they don't understand hunger. I'm just, I'm not against children's church, but we didn't make children. There were no children's church in the New Testament. We got to take them outside. Let me tell you something. Them kids put them on a blanket like we used to do. Put them right here in the corner. Let them sit because when the power comes down, the anointing is going to get on those kids. Those children will be saved when they get grown because they've been under the anointing of the Holy. How do we get so scientific that we outsmart the Holy Ghost and we think we're smarter than Jesus? That's what's happening to the church. The spirit of seeing and knowing. Only what I see my father do. Well, I do. And to grow and increase in the anointing is to stay full of the Holy Ghost and let the word dwell in you richly so that when you come, here's the thing. You have a supply to yield to every service. Here's our saints, though. They're stingy. They come to church to get something. I'm coming to get help. I need, okay, I know you need help. We, we, we'll help you. The church is a hospital. No, it's not, but that's okay. We understand. This ain't no hospital. This is a healing center. This ain't no hospital. The church ain't sick. The church is glorious without a spot or wrinkle. The church is the body of Christ. Well, this is a, this is a hospital. No, see, people make up stuff they think sounds sweet and it ain't biblical. When you come in here, you have an anointing. If you're a child of God, you bring an anointing with you whether you know it or not. And your purpose is to yield that anointing to this service. And when I yield, and you yield, and she yields. Suddenly, the room begins to anoint him. Ooh, I feel something. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Because the more we begin to yield, the greater the economy. Why? Because I got news for you. They say, look, look, look at the hills from whence come my help. No, you don't. You don't look from the hills. We're we not in Zion no more. The, the glory of God is not up on the hill. I'm in, he's inside of me. I'm a living tabernacle. When I come in, I'm bringing The Holy Ghost is coming through me. Yeah. He's invading through me. This is, we lift up your heads, oh, your gates. I'm the gate. I, lift, I, I open up. The king of glory comes in through me. I'm a lively stone, but I'm just one stone. But I'm a stone, and when all these stones get together and we put them, we erect the spiritual house of the Lord. When you think Voltron, come on, somebody. When the house of God begins to form, stone upon stone, brick upon brick, and all in one accord, we build the house of the Lord, and we yield. Can you imagine if the anointing was one ton of water? Everybody in this room had one ton of water and walked in here with it. And at one time, at one point, we say, drop it. And everybody drop it. It'll knock the pews over. It'll roll up around the walls. It'll spin over this room. It'll sw- that's what the anointing you carry when you yield it into the atmosphere. And it changed. How many, how many have ever been in a service where the spirit got hot and everything shifted in the room? You could sense it. Because you're a spiritual being. You can sense the thermometer. You're a thermometer of what's going on. You, you, can, you can feel the, what the spirit of God is doing. But it's in unity is the key to the glory. The corporate anointing. As we yield our supply. One by one as we come in. Contributing to the service, yielding the anointing that's upon us, and my anointing meets yours, and yours meets his. All of a sudden, we start feeling tangible. Chills start going down my back. Wait a minute, neck. I got what's going on? I feel hot all over. My hands are hot. What's my? Oh Jesus! Something, ooh, something. You know, I'm old, so get to snatching. That electricity start popping. Come on, it starts feeling something move in the room because we're yielding our supply. And guess what? All you need is one right person to lead that service. The person that's in tune, the Holy Spirit. Guess what? He takes that river and begin to direct it toward healing. That's what Benny Hinn used to do in those healing services. Come on, somebody. He take that 
corporate anointing and he yielded toward healing. Or take that corporate anointing and yield it toward the prophetic. I can't get no help in here. See, all these anointings are like a big giant battery pack that you plug into the government gifts of God and it amplifies the anointing. But this is why the devil has worked over time to bring division. This is why the devil has worked over time to get our churches to be spiritually stupid, to be spiritually retarded. We got leaders that know how to talk, but they don't know how to walk in power. They haven't had encounters with Jesus that ain't real. They don't want to lay hands on the sick anymore. And now we got COVID. Nobody won't even breathe around anybody anymore. I mean, it's like, it's like COVID became the Lord of the church. Jesus is the Lord of the church, not COVID. COVID is telling us what we can do now. Not Jesus, not the Holy Ghost anymore. What in hell is wrong with the church? Do you listen? How do we get like this? How do we go from the days of Oral Roberts and A.A. Allen and Jack Cole? How do we go from the days of Catherine Kuhlman and Maria Whitwood Edder? How do we go from the time of John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth? How do we go from the time of Arturo Skinner and Maddie B. Poole? How do we go from the days of the great men and women of God that walked in power to this day of Christian bless me clubs? Hanging out and doing life together and talking about nothing. Instead of coming in here and getting so full of the Holy Ghost that you can't help but be sweet. That you can't help but have a sweet spirit. Getting so full of the Holy Ghost that you can't help but get delivered. I don't believe in nobody that can't get loose in the Holy Ghost. I don't fool with people. I don't trust. No, I don't care what kind of Christian you are. If you can't yield to the Holy Spirit and get loose in the Spirit of God, how am I going to trust you? God is looking for people who are flexible versatile and to be like Jesus Jesus how do you keep doing all these miracles how do you just how do you keep doing this Jesus whatever I see my father do that's what I do when I'm away in the mountain I'm praying he shows me things to come he flashes the blind man in front of me he flashes the cripple he shows me the leper and all I gotta do is go out here and when I run up on it oh I know what to do I saw this already and you do it that's what God wants to take the church. Not to lose the move of the spirit. I, you know, well, what about all the goofy stuff? Man, listen, you're going to have some goofy people. Well, I know people that go to those churches and they get goofy. Well, they probably was goofy. Or they already had the tendency to be goofy before they went there. It just, you know, it wasn't the church that turned them goofy. They were already a little goofy. And people started praying in those tongues and went plumb crazy. Well, you was probably already crazy before you started praying in tongues. But I know people who were crazy and started praying in tongues and got their mind back. So what you going to say? <laughs> the church has got to get back to Pentecost. We did so many things by mistake that were right. And we didn't know we were doing Pentecostal accidents. We just stumbled upon the move of God. And it worked out. But now it's time for spiritual technicians. Now it's time for those to explain with the word of God what the Holy Spirit is doing so that everybody can participate in the move of God because God wants to train you here so that when you go out there, you're an effective witness. Why is God going to make you rich so you can be rich? God will make you rich if you're going to afford, if you're going to bring revival and fun revival with that money. You don't mind giving away 90% if the 10% is a million dollars. You don't mind, do you? Why is God, we, got, we, we put the cart before the horse in so many things, and the church has suffered because we're losing it. You know what? I came back to Detroit, and 
traveling ministry for 16 years, and I'm closing for real. I know y'all won't like, please, just get through. Yeah. <laughs> Not another example. <laughs> I came back. To, I was traveling around the country for 16 years being a revivalist. I didn't even call myself an evangelist because I was going to places. Listen, I, I go to places, you fly in, and you got to drive two hours to get to the church. You're down in Poduck somewhere to bring revival. You would have a healing service. Everybody in the room is in a wheelchair. They roll in the church. There's just nobody there. It's revivalist. I was riding through Detroit, and I said, whoo. I said, Lord, this city's ugly. I was riding through an ugly part. I said, well, Lord, where we going? <laughs> I'm driving my car. I just came in. I said, I don't want to stay here anymore. I said, where we going? I said, what's wrong with this place? He said, a city without walls. And I was thinking about, like, church without walls. That's a good thing, right? Church without walls, cities, walls of Thayer, Jericho. He said, no, the hedges broke down, and the enemy can come in and out. I said, hmm, too bad for Detroit. I'm getting out of here. I'm driving. I said, well, Lord, you're going to raise up somebody. I said, I know you're able. I know you can. Yes, you will. He said, I need to raise up a watchman in the city. I said, Woo, I'm praying, Lord, that you have your way. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I know you ain't about to say I'm not even trying to hear that. Go on with that. Go on with that, Jesus. You better go with that. I ain't trying to hear that, Lord. Let me give you a key. Don't ever tell the Lord what you ain't going to do. Please don't. I'll go anywhere but Alaska. <laughs> That's where you're going, Jack. Now, don't try to fool him because that's the place you really want to go is Alaska. I'll go anywhere but Alaska, Lord. Lord, like, you ain't fooling me. You're going to Timbuktu. That's where you're going. <laughs> don't ever try to tell the Lord what to do. And I was going along. He said, I want you to erect a city, a tower of prayer in the city. I want you to do it. I said, Lord, no, I don't want that. Ain't God. This ain't God. I'm, I'm in the name of Jesus. This ain't God. I'm driving, and this is just my mind playing tricks on me. Like the ghetto boys. <laughs> my mind playing tricks on me. This ain't the Lord talking to me. When I go out of town to a revival with a guy named Mahesh Shabda. You ever heard of him? He was a Hindu that Jesus appeared to him and got converted. Now he's a preacher of the gospel, powerful man of God. I'm sitting in the service out of town. Nobody but from Detroit in there but me. And he says, who come down and give $100 in this offering to help us through our outreach in these uh, Muslim countries we're on television? Who come? I said, oh, $100? I ain't a lot. I'll, I'll give that. And me down there and a couple of people standing down there and he, he looks over, he had the accent, you know, he had the Indian accent, it's hilarious. He looked at me, he said, oh, he said, he said, Detroit, Michigan. Oh, and I said, did he see my badge? Because I'm one of them kind of guys that when you start calling folk, I don't like my start saying, oh, Jesus, what's getting ready to happen? Nothing more, Lord, please. <laughs> no, I don't know more to do. You know, he said, he said, oh, Detroit, Michigan. Oh, and I said, no, I said, Mahesh. Is he talking to me? He said, and I see a tower of prayer like the which the city has never seen be erected in the midst of this city. Ho, 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 Detroit, Michigan. And I said, take the $100, bye. <laughs> Lord, confirm the word that he spoke to me. Because you know what started the conversation? I had just come back from revival and I was tired, spiritually depleted. You know, when you got somewhere and people don't believe in healing, they don't believe in nothing, and they, they dry and dead, and you got three days to raise the dead. You got to preach for two days, preach, and then maybe you might get one miracle on the third night, and whoop, that's the end of the revival. We just broke the revival open. Sometimes it takes time to plow the ground, and you wore out. You got, you're fighting devils, demons attacking you in your sleep. People are practicing witchcraft. Oh, I've had it happen. Oh, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm going home. I said, Lord, I said, where can I go this Sunday where I can get drunk in the Holy Ghost? 
where can I go where I can get in the prayer line and don't nobody know I'm a preacher? I just get zapped. I want to get filled. I want to get touched with a fresh anointing. And I kept thinking. I said, no, they don't do that there. No, they don't do that there no more. I said, I went down a list of about 10 churches and they don't, none of them, they used to be, they don't do it no more. And I said, wow, there ain't nowhere I can go. What conference can I go? Let me start thinking about conferences and I'm starting thinking, Ain't no conferences I can go to. There's nothing going on. And I remember a time where you could take your pick. There was revivals were going on every other month, every other week. Travel evangelists could go preaching for make one living because it was churches actually had revivals. Now they just have conferences where they have pastors and trade pulpits with each other. They don't bring revivalists in no more. Oh, I remember when it started drying up. I remember. I remember. I said, why don't we have revival? And I started thinking... Lord, I'm, this is hitting me as a wave. What have I been doing? I'm, how did I not see this? They've changed the church. They got conference-minded, TBN-minded, big church-minded, books and tapes-minded, branding and selling books and tapes and starting schools. And, and then you can now, I'm a, you know what? You want to be in a, who wants to be an apostle? Who wants to be a millionaire? Let's have a, an apostolic pyramid scheme. You join, I'll raise you up in my network for $500 a month. I said, that's like multi-level marketing. This is a pyramid scheme. Now, you want to come in as a son? You want to come in as an associate? I'm, uh, what? I got to pay to be a son? I watched this stuff. I said, what is happening to the church? It didn't take but a decade of decline. It only took a decade. Let me tell you something. And if it continues, see, if we get the wrong person in, in, in the White House, don't look at me like that. We get the wrong person in the White House. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I go to Washington. I talk to lawyers. I talk to governors. I sit in meetings with them, and they tell me how groups like the ACLU and different groups, they're fighting to take away Christian schools because Christian schools won't teach LGBT. So they want to take Christian, they'll take funding from those schools. Now you are you are you are a citizen paying taxes, but you can't decide on how your kids should be taught. So they want to take away the option of having Christian teachers. So you're forced to go to a public school where they teach you there's 200 different genders. And screw your kids up that ain't got no daddy in their homes and got broken home, put them in there and listen to all that crazy stuff. So you can create a whole other generation of preach-proof, gospel-proof people. You don't get the right person in the White House. You may not like somebody, but somebody's more for that than there's the other. And if we don't watch, this country will take a turn and go down a place where you can't wear your cross to work no more because it's hate speech. You won't be to tell nobody about Jesus at your job because that's hate speech. We can return, we can, we can take a turn, a dark turn where you think the church is powerless now. Let this stuff come in. This is America's last call. If America lets this thing go, it's going to descend. Well, that ain't going to happen. Look, look, don't tell the Pope that. Just look at the dark ages. We had a thousand years of dead church. And the rapture didn't happen. Well, the rapture getting ready to happen. You don't know that. You might be here to see your great-grandkids. But if you mess around, your great-grandkids may not have no kids because they'll be a lesbian. They'll be a homosexual. They'll be a tranny. Because you've turned them over to the system of Babylon to raise them. We got word churches. We don't have Sunday school no more. You know what Sunday school was good for? I learned about Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, the Bible, the tabernacle. These kids don't know nothing about God no more. They don't teach them anything. 
They know how to twerk. Do we understand what's happening slowly? You can't turn on the TV without two men kissing and two women kissing. This is just normalizing this behavior, which is depopulation because no children are birthed to that. There are nations that want our men to be weak, feminine sissies because they're easy to conquer a nation like that. Isn't that right? They want delusional women to think that they're men. Come on, somebody. They're doing something. They're trying to change the very terrain that we live in. And here's what the devil does. You know, I used to watch science fiction. I love the alien movies. I just like it. You know, I like all that science fiction stuff. Because I believe we're going to be out there. And it's going to be science reality out there in the glory realm. I'm going to have me a spaceship. I don't care what y'all say. God's going to have to make me one. Desires of mine. I'm going to be Captain Kirk, I told you, flying through the galaxy. I'm going to have an angel say, you look like Dr. Spock, because I'm going to have a Spock. <laughs> Play along. This is my fantasy. <laughs> and they hit something. See, something? I get revelation when I watch movies. I don't know about you. The Holy Ghost can talk through anything. I get revelation. And they went to the planet, and the atmosphere was unlivable. So they sent something called terror farmers. And they would create these big fusion reactors that would change the atmosphere that would make it conducive for humans to live there. And the Holy Ghost said, that's what the devil's doing to America. He's terraforming the atmosphere so he can bring the manifestations over here that he has over there. <gasps> what? He's changing the atmosphere of this country so he can have more release of demonic power that he has in third world countries that don't have what the gospel we have. He's creating this atmosphere. Have you noticed how people are more spiritual, but they're not gospel? They're more new age and witchcrafty, but they, they enter ancestor worship. All this stuff is coming back, a revival of it. The devil is terraforming this culture to create it so he can do more of his manifestation. You won't have to go to Africa to see shapeshifters. They'll be right here in full bloom. See, there's a supernatural that American people don't know nothing about. People from Africa and people from South America come over, they like way ahead of y'all. You don't know about shape this Oh, brother. You, you don't know the devil, they, they don't know. The witch doctor tell you. Vincent Idahosa said, if the witch doctor tell you you're gonna be a monkey in three days, you're gonna be a monkey in three days. Anybody who Vincent Idahosa is? Because they operate in those dark powers. Why? Because there's nothing resistant. The people are all elevated. They already believe in the supernatural. They, they, the portal is open. But over here. We're intellectual. We don't believe in that. That's not real. That's not true. <laughs> but then we start getting into believing into scientific shape-shifting. We're going to cut your genitals off and make you a woman. We're going to shape-shift you with science. Same spirit. Same spirit. Changing the image of God into something else. Shifting the shape. Do you understand what's happening if the church don't get this right? Getting full of the Holy Ghost, being led by the Holy Ghost, stepping into the supernatural, concerning the supernatural. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand that these gifts are given to every man. He flashes it in front of you. Learn how to cooperate with it and let the move of God happen every day, not just in church, but in church outside. This is a training room. This is a place we come here not to have church. We come here to be the church and to do church. This may not be the most important message in the country right now, but it's right up there, especially for the spirit-filled churches. How many of y'all know you, it's hard to find anywhere to get prayer in this city? How many know it's hard? If you had somebody that needed the devil cast off, you wouldn't know where to take them. You'd have to pass 25 churches to get some help for them because they don't have time for that, don't believe in anyone. We call ourselves Pentecostals, the people of signs and wonders. What is wrong with us? How many of y'all know if you had somebody that really needed healing, where would you take them? 
if they didn't get healed the first time, what could you bring them back to? Do you see what's happening? The spiritual power of the church is going down while the supernatural power of the devil is increasing. Don't you believe for a minute it's just going to be all right? No, it don't have to be. We can live here as the persecuted church because when the salt has lost its ability to affect the change and flavor the atmosphere, it's trampled under by the foot of man. I'm resisting the trampling. I'm praying for America to have another chance. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for people to get back to prayer meeting. I'm sick of mega churches. I'm sick of sitting up with 10,000 dummies in a room that don't know about God. Let's get back to having small churches where we can come in here and learn how to flow in the Holy Ghost and get people saved. I don't want 10,000 member churches. I want 10,000 churches everywhere you look with believers all over. I want to see enough churches for every pastor to have a church. You got 10,000 members with 500 pastors with five apostles and 30 prophets in a room doing nothing but listening to a sermon every Sunday. It's a wrong idea. Jesus didn't build his church that way. And whenever you have something not going the right way, you always have rebellion going the wrong way. Everybody popping up with house churches and prayer groups and out of order, crazy, goofy stuff. Somebody getting injured, getting done wrong. But there's no authority and no accountability. Did you see it's always two extremes? The devil's like, I'll get you over here or I'll get you this way, whichever way I can get you. Get you to go to a church where you sit there and be asleep for 10 years. Because it's so nice. There's coffee and Hebrews in the lobby. I can drop my kids off in the back and I can get some, come to church in my pajamas and watch the screen. And they got all my favorite worship songs and we sing together. We're doing life together. Oh, yeah. Who is so wonderful? Who is so great? All my friends are here. I bet my husband is here. I bet my wife is up in here. Singles meeting was live last night. Woo. No mission for the church. Paul said, when somebody comes in your church that's not learned, all of y'all are so full of the Holy Ghost that somebody turns and starts prophesying to them. What church is like that? That's the New Testament. What church is like that? So I was reading that one verse. I said, I sure wish I could go to that church. Well, I stumble into a room for a wild Pentecostals praying in tongues, and they see somebody coming, they all stop. <laughs> and then somebody begins to prophesy the secrets of his heart to the point where he has to say, God is really in y'all. This is real. This is real. This is real. That's the church. That ain't no special event called revival. That ain't Brownsville. That ain't Lakeland. That's the church. And if we don't contend for the faith that was once delivered to the church, you gotta fight for it. Stand on your feet. I'm done preaching. We gotta fight for it. People say, Pastor, you always seem sour about stuff because I already know what it's supposed to be like and I'm sick of seeing it not be that way. You take tired of going to war and going to battle and feel like you're the only one fighting for something. You come home beaten, battered down, and don't none of your friends understand because they all want to be popular. They're all trying to do the same thing. What's wrong with you, brother? Everything looks great. As long as they got a full itinerary. As long as somebody's opening doors for them, everything is great for them. They don't care about coming whether they can have a move of God or whether what God wants to do is accomplish in the service. If they can sell enough books and meet their quota, they feel all right. God's blessing. What is wrong with us? See, if the devil can't beat you, he'll join you. If he can't get you to just leave God and get discouraged, then he'll start making it easy for you. Make it so easy for you that you ain't got no problems and you just be happy. Oh, he'll do it to you. He'll find whichever one he can do. 
If he, if he know he can get you out of here by putting pressure on you, oh, he'll put pressure on you. You can't stand it. You'll be out there drinking in the club like, forget it all. It don't mean nothing. It's all fake. I'm going to get my verb on. Or if you won't move and you won't go, he'll give you so much. He'll stop. You know, sometimes we see people who say, Lord, what's wrong with my ministry? What, what's wrong with me? Why come they don't ever ask me to do nothing? I started saying, something wrong with my ministry? I preach to work, pray, I'm saved, I'm living right. I ain't got no women, certainly ain't got no men. I'm, I'm doing right. What's wrong? And one time the Lord says, the devil's just not resisting them, son. What? They got so much success because they ain't carrying nothing, really. The devil ain't threatened by what they do. So he don't resist them. This is why they got, they got so much success. He got, they got so much success that the devil's like, yeah, you can go. Ain't no problem. We'll let your church get mega because you really ain't no threat to nothing I'm doing. Y'all go ahead and I need about 20,000 sleepers and unconscious believers to be in a room. I need that. I don't need 10,000 Holy Ghost filled praying heaven down church. I don't need that. I don't need a church where the Spirit of God is rolling and moving and people can. I don't need. Now that we got to stop. Churches start moving that direction, boy. The pastor can't hardly stay saved. Every beautiful woman in the world come through the door trying to get the pastor. He'll send anything he can to destroy something to stop it from happening. It's called Satan's war machine, the wiles of the devil. And guess what? We want to kill them when they fall, but we were never praying for them to stand, though. They fighting every demon in hell, and they go down and say, I knew it wasn't right. The church busted up, families hurting, everybody go away tomorrow. The church ain't nothing. This is fake. That was like, yes, went down. Many people in the men of God that we have. I mean, take care, I'll tell y'all something. Brother Hagin told somebody privately that you may never ever heard it before. Anybody remember Ed Dufresne? Ed Dufresne came to my church and we were talking one day. Ed Dufresne's a great prophet of God. Ed Dufresne told me, he said, you know, Marlon, he said, Brother Hagin told me that he had three intercessors in his life that meant a great deal to him. That as long as they were interceding for him, his ministry made great strides. But when they died, he had no more great strides. I said, huh? He said, yeah, he had the Halversons, still in Fern Halversons, and Jeannie Wilkerson. He said he didn't tell them what to pray for. They called him and told him, Brother Hagin, the Lord showed me, and they would be right. He never had to tell them because they was already, they already knew. They were, in, they were true intercessors. Brother Hagin said, you know, when the Lord gave them to me, he said, my ministry made leaps. He said, now I'm a praying man. I believe the word. But when I had them praying, my ministry made leaps and bounds. He said, when they died, he said, my ministry has never made any more great strides. Then Ed Dufresne died in a plane crash about a year after he told me. And I couldn't go back and ask him. I thank God I remembered it. And all the things he told me. He said, we don't know how to undergird gifts. We don't know how to. We don't know how to. See, there's a, there's a you with no intercessors. And then there's a you with intercessors. And we got people that want to be your intercessor. But they want you to ask you. They want to interview you. You ain't no intercessor. I got to tell you, you ain't in the sea. You ain't in spirit. If you really in the Holy Ghost, you'll know. He'll show you. God don't show nosy people stuff. He only shows people who pray for you stuff. You're trying to discern something all the time. He ain't showing you nothing. Shut up. Am I talking right? Father, in the name of Jesus, let the church be the church. Lord, we're here tonight because we're hungry. We're here tonight because we're sick and tired of this false image of the church. had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, 
I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. When I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah, and he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.